and welcome back to the Over the Bar podcast, your home for all things U.S. men's national team, U.S. soccer, world soccer, pretty much anything you can imagine it's soccer related. Um, as always, I am your co-host, Noah. I have with me here, Sumer. Unfortunately, not able to get the whole squad to get together today, but Sumer, how are we doing, man? Uh, I've started going by the, the name DJ Soom. You can refer to me as DJ Soom from now on. Uh, but hey, man, we're doing well. A good weekend on the U.S. scene of, uh, of the sport we all love to call soccer. And uh, we are every week just getting closer. Each podcast is just another week closer to, uh, to Qatar and specifically to the upcoming matches coming in the late May, early June. Dude, I know. It's going to be sick. I mean, what? Bundesliga season just ended. Prem season, we got, you know, another, another weekend out of it. I know most other seasons are ending. It's almost U.S. national team time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these leagues are all over. It's kind of weird to feel. But, yeah, I mean, Prem's going to be over in a week. Sunday's the last – sorry, Saturday's the last day. Um, but, hey, man, the MLS, do not – they got, got a long way to go. All right? So, if you thought you were going to be out of some soccer, you got yeah. just the thing for you, okay? I'm talking – if you were – I'm talking – Sporting Kansas City after a thrilling 7-2 loss versus Houston Dynamo. Like, that's a game I want to see if that ever exists. I'm just saying there's some good games coming up. Oh, yeah. No, it's, I think we're entering kind of a, one, of the, one, of the more, one of the more fun times to be a U.S. fan because obviously we've got the MLS, our, our own domestic league, kicking and rolling here. Um, and, and we're entering just the beauty that is U.S. men's soccer transfers. I, I'm just so excited to see all the players who are going to potentially be on the move. I think we got a quite of a long list of players who, who might be moving in the coming months, you know, once the transfer window opens up and things like that. But it'll be interesting. We're, yeah, we'll do a, we'll definitely do a, do a whole podcast probably on, on who we're seeing moving, maybe who needs moves, who's likely to move. The, the crazy thing about transfers sometimes is you can speculate, speculate, speculate as much as you want. Things go drastically crazy. Um, both positively and negatively. Mm. Um, a prime example I give of both of those is positively. No one saw Weston McKinney going to Juventus. It was all Southampton. Um, you know, it was all these EPL clubs. And then out of nowhere, Juventus comes in. Boom, we got a world-class player. You want to talk about negatively, you look at Anthony Robinson, who flies to Milan to sign his contract and become an AC Milan left-back player and is picked up with an irregular heartbeat during the physical and never makes never completes the transfer. You usually think when the player flies to the destination that it's a done deal. Like the player does not fly there unless the physical is like the last thing needed. And it was so upsetting to see that go. So uh, it's gonna be an interesting summer. Uh, there's no there's no gold cup. There's no Euros. There's no uh, um, you know there's no what's it called continental tournaments going on this summer at least. So uh, we'll just have tons of MLS and friendlies to watch <laughs> i am excited i love a good transfer more than anybody else but you know what i also love to make some great u.s men's national team performances with their clubs and boy howdy did we have quite a few over the weekend i know i've got a lot of guys that i want to point out in terms of you know getting first goals getting really good goals finally putting in you know you know world-class performances and things like that um and i'm sure you've got some too so why don't you get us started with uh with, with just a couple guys one or two guys who, who you really like this weekend yeah, I mean, this was a this was a nice weekend in, in terms of I didn't feel like a lot of people played, but the people that did play felt like they were contributing when they played. So it was it was it was good in that in that aspect. Um, or not only did they score or assist, but they played well. You know, um, someone I wanted to highlight now. Yes, the league league season is finished, but it was great to see Wea finish off the season with a goal and assist against uh, who was it. Uh, Nice, I think it was Nice. I think they won 3-1. Um, so that was that was really good to see from him. Um, was the goal anything crazy special? It was a breakaway. He, you know, went around the keeper um, and slotted it home. But he's someone who I would like, I'm happy that, you know, finishing off the season strong and was happy to see his performance this weekend because um, not always guaranteed. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's really good. Um, I'm glad to see Tim Way kind of – have one of those performances and it's been a rough season to say the least for, for him at, at Lille. I know it's been a rough season for a lot of the guys at Lille just in general, been kind of a down season. But Tim Way, it seems especially has, has kind of found himself in and out of the side. Um, hasn't really 
gotten on the score sheet hardly at all. I can't remember. So it's really good to see him at least ending the season strong. Maybe going to do some high marks. Uh, maybe going to, you know, you know, kind of lead to some positivity over the next season, maybe kind of get things rolling again for him. But um, another guy ending the season strong, really, really strong, Haji Wright. And Haji Wright is somebody we're going to talk about later as a striker, but um, we're talking about a guy who now has nine goals in his last nine games for Atlanta Sport and Turkey. Um, another goal and an assist over the weekend. The assist was a thing of beauty. Took his man on down into the box and and, and you know beat him. Put a beautiful, lovely cross across. Put the him in the spin goal. cycle there for a second. He put the put him in the in the dryer and said extra fast, extra hot. Cooking, bro. One, two, three, four step overs. Oh, and just sent this man for a loop. I loved it. Put in a nice ball. The, the goal, nothing special again. It was just kind of a tap in after closing down the keeper, but well to be in that position as well. But Haji Wright, man. I, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him. Yeah, agreed. I mean, Haji Wright, like we'll get into him more, get into him a little bit more, but someone definitely in hot form. Um, but hot form happens to players all over the country, all over the world. So just want to see it continue with the suspected u.s men's national team call up but so another person that i saw that i thought played really well um and again just wanted to point out because it's um i just wanted to point him out cameron carter vickers winning the scottish premiership with celtic i don't think he had officially lifted the trophy last time we were on here so it was really cool to see i saw his dad out there as well which was nice um they had a six nothing win this weekend against motherwell what a what a performance you know but, uh, but no, CCV going there and winning the, the ship, he's going to have an interesting summer. What's up with him? But I'm just another player I wanted to point out. Congratulations to him. And, uh, yeah, we got a few ballers in the Scottish League, but he's definitely one of them. Mm. I'll, I'll stay in the Scottish League for another accolade I want to throw out. Uh, another guy win, winning an award, different kind of award, different kind of silverware, obviously, in the Scottish Prem. But quick shout-out to Ian Harks. And uh, he's gotten Dundee United into potentially playing European football next year. And one Dundee United's player of the season, despite missing the last two months. Um, and I know Ian Hartz is, is not somebody who is really in the U.S. men's national team radar. He's, he's a, bit, a bit on the older side for guys who we probably would have seen by now. But, I, you know, hey, Dundee United is, is a really historic club, pretty decent club in the Scottish Prem. And it's good to see any American, you know, going and making their mark and getting recognized by, by a fan base of that size. So, Congrats to Ian for, for being the player of the season for Dundee. I, I, yeah, I, lo- I love Ian. Ian's a really cool guy. He's from the DMV area, uh, similar to myself uh, down there. And also, I just, he's just, and I'm, you know, obviously was a DC United fan growing up, seeing him get drafted to DC uh, after Wake Forest and then make the, the transition over. And you look at a player like you compare him. I mean, there's no need to compare, but you just compare him to someone like Chris Durkin from DC United. Both of them go to Europe trying to seek out this kind of, you know, uh, playing style and playing life. And, and Chris Durkin adapted well, but you look at Ian Harts and adapting even even better. Um, so just, just really cool to see him really thriving in the situation. His girlfriend actually played, or no, I think it's his wife. Uh, she plays for the Celtic women's team. I did know that, actually. I've never yeah. seen her play. But... <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't say I've, I've seen her play either, um, but I know she plays there. So it's a, a little Scottish family uh, over there, which we love. I love it. Um, um, yeah, who else? Yeah, got? yeah. I got I got another one for you. I got another one for you. Obviously, I have to give a shout out to Christian this weekend, uh, Mister CP. I thought he played really well in their FA Cup tie uh, versus Liverpool, which they unfortunately lost uh, for the third year in a row in the FA Cup. I say they. I should say we. But it's it's upsetting time here in the uh, in the Shamlaw household. But I thought he was really progressive, continuously again in multiple games, finding the right spots, being dangerous with the ball thought he was Chelsea's most dangerous player in terms of chance creation uh, throughout the game. Again, it's the, it's the end product with him that sometimes wavers in both finishing and, and that final pass, but everything leading up to there is, is, is really looking fine right now. And, um, you know, that's all we can ask for with the U.S. men's national team hat on. Individuals with the Chelsea hat on, myself sometimes when I have a Chelsea hat on, maybe ridicule him a little bit harder and, and look at him a different way. From a U.S. men's national team hat on, the performances he's putting in for a top team, for a top tier club like Chelsea in a match like that in the FA Cup final, you know, those things are not easy. So 
Um, super pleased to see him continuing trying to end the season still strong. Got one last game left, so hopefully he keeps going. Yeah, no, I I watched that game too. Um, I thought he was definitely definitely one of the best Chelsea players on the pitch, bar maybe Thiago Silva, who I thought had a phenomenal game for Chelsea back. But um, it it is it is a little bit of a shame I think to see some Chelsea fans maybe scapegoating him for some of these performances. Like, I it, it's hard, right? Because it feels like he's being scapegoated sometimes, especially in the FA Cup final. And, and I'm not straw manning here, right? I did see this all over, over Twitter. Like Chelsea fans pretty upset about Pulisic's performance for missing chances and things like that. And, and it's almost a double-edged sword, right? Pulisic is, is missing chances, but he's also the only one getting into positions to put those chances away. He's the only one looking to create chances, at least in that game. I, I didn't see anybody else for Chelsea really trying to get up and down the pitch and create chances, get into dangerous areas. And Pulisic was, and and so, but rather than you know, being reflective about that, Chelsea fans, I feel like a lot of the time are saying, "Oh no, he should be finishing those." And and yes, he probably should be doing better in some of those opportunities. But to fault him for getting into the positions to me is 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 a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I feel I feel as if he's he's definitely judged a little harder because of the. Uh, hype that the U.S. men's national team fans give him sometimes, I'm sure. The, you know, if a player of his caliber was from another country, potentially, that didn't have the maybe uh, social media fan base that, that Christian does, I think that that, you know, affects the, what's it called? The perception of him. Um, yeah, he's just judged, he's judged a little bit differently than others. That's the only point. And I'm not saying whether the judging is wrong or right, but he is... A, a little bit overjudged and judged, I think, put wrongly sometimes mm-hmm. um, because of who he is and and the player he is and where he comes from. Um, but to leave that though, you know, he played well, whether you like him or not. If you didn't see that he was in progressive areas, moving the ball up, creating chances. I mean, you want to say he played that ball heavy to Marcus Alonso? I thought Marcus Alonso could have gotten a better touch on that. Wait, yeah, were I mean, people he, saying that he played that ball heavy? Yeah, people thought it. People thought it was late and heavy. I mean, I mean, the fact it was that an he awful played first that first touch. By Alonso. Yeah. yeah. So there was many people saying that that ball was played late. And I'm like, at first, at first glance, I thought it was. But when you look back, he kind of holds the defender in like a no man's space, plays it, he kind of splits the defenders and uh, plays it into Marcus Alonso's uh, feet. Alonso on his left foot lets the ball roll out and Allison can come save. So yeah, it's just, it's different of opinions, I guess. Mm. That's one way to put it. That's perhaps a, a, a generous way to put it, Sumer. But I'll go on to somebody who I think a lot of people have unanimous opinions on right now. And I think just, I know we give him credit almost week in, week out. And I, I want to keep doing it. Jesus Ferreira, man. And, and I know we talk about the Dallas Five a lot of the time, but it is suddenly stepping up to be the Jesus Ferreira show in Dallas. Another two goals, I believe, this weekend. Or was it only one? Was it two? It was two goals? Um, yeah, it was two. I think it was two. Another two goals this weekend. That puts him to eight on the season, leading the Golden Boot race. I, I have a lot of questions and marks about Jesus Ferrer, and, and, and I think he's somebody we're going to talk about a little bit later. But none of those question marks have to do with talent, I don't think. And he's certainly showing it um, right now in Dallas. I know there were, were some questions about how he could replace Pepe if he could play up front on his own. And, and those are question marks that still loom over Jesus. But look, he is silencing doubters and silencing haters right now in the MLS and just continuing to put up not only goals, but, but top quality performances as well. And, and so he's another guy I just wanted to keep shouting out, man. Yeah, his job was to continue his form without Ricardo Pepe, and he's done that, uh, and even even surpassed that. So you know, this start to the season has been fire for him. Again, keep continuing this, and there's no way he's, he's left off the roster just because also of his relationship to Greg and with the system. So love to see that from him. Um, there were some good MLS performances and just players to note from all around. I mean. Matt Turner, I don't feel like enough people are talking about him. He is back. He played last weekend on May 7th. Now he's played again. Um, he had a nice save against, I think it was Almada on, a, on, a, on one of those free kicks. Um, you know, again, Eric Williamson back again, getting an assist this weekend. Now they won 7-2. I think everybody on the team was probably on the score sheet in some way, shape, or form. But, again, another player back. Two players I want to highlight uh, real fast. But another player I just wanted to highlight. I thought Cade Cowell looked good this weekend. Yep. Uh, Got an assist, I, thought- I believe. Yeah, yeah, he, he was playing well. I thought he was finding good spots on the wing. Um, the assist he had to Abubasi 
it was a really nice ball played in. Um, so I know he's a dual nat, and we're gonna get into some dual nats, but I thought I really, I really liked Kate Cowell and uh, just continually seeing his rise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another guy that I think I'll, I'll highlight real quick. There's two more guys I want to highlight, and one of them is going to, I think, push us into the dual nat conversation that, that I want to have a little bit too. But Christian Roldan, um, I'll highlight. I mean, played very well for the Sounders over the weekend. And I, I know he's somebody we maybe don't have the highest opinions on, but I think his performance for the Sounders over the weekend, and I tweeted this out, his performance for the Sounders over the weekend, and especially the goal, screamer of a long-range effort, to, to be the keeper from must have been 35 yards, maybe, maybe even more. Absolute rocket. But it's performances like that that I think make his US make his US men's national team case even more frustrating. Because you look at him drop consistent seven and a half, eight out of ten performances for Seattle. And then and then you you juxtapose that with frankly what are, are, are at best mediocre performances with the U S and at worst dreadful. And, and you just, I'm left sitting there and thinking to myself, this man is an enigma. I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I, help me, help me, help me understand. Hey man, he, he's an MLS guy. He can get the MLS job done. That was a hell of a strike though from him. Um, he just doesn't have that role with the, with the men's national team. I mean, I don't understand, but um he he's somebody I don't even want to waste my time fighting. He's going to be on the plane unless he has a torn ACL. And it's just, you know, I, I, I love him for the things he can bring to this team uh, in terms of uh, being a coach. But well, no, and see, I think I mean, I guess my point with that Samir, is that like, yeah, I, I don't really want to like I, I don't think there's worth fighting whether or not he should be there. And, and I know we're frustrated, but I think it. It was more just enlightened to me watching his performances and, and just questioning to myself, what is like, what is the drop off? Where does the drop off come with Christian Roldan? Like, and I don't, I, and I'm not necessarily asking for an answer to that one, but it's, it's something I think about to myself all the time. Like, why isn't he able to replicate these performances at the US? Because there's clearly a player in there. We've seen it with Seattle and it just doesn't translate. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a very fair and honest question because I'm, I'm thinking about it myself. As you know, many times we see Christian Roldan, you know, perform exceptionally well for Seattle in the last few years, but we don't always see that with him in a U.S. men's national team jersey. We see a, we see a player who lacks creativity, um, willingness to, to make the, the sometimes risky pass to, to, to move us forward instead of the lateral and backwards pass, which is, are all fine to keep possession, but not when it's the entire game. Is which I is what I see sometimes. I feel like his role is different though, also with the US in terms of like I feel like Greg just wants him to be a certain role, which is like, I want you to do this. I want you to press high when you do play and just cause chaos. Like I don't I don't need you to do this, this, and this because we have players who can do that. Whereas with Seattle, it's like Christian, you know, you're you're the one, two, three, one of those top three guys for us. We need you to do this. So I, I if I had to bet, I'd I'd say it's Greg just doesn't want to use him anymore in that, but it's a fair question as to like before, you know, there clearly is a player in there, like you said. Um, why can't we see that same same product in a US men's national team jersey? No, that's that's yeah, completely fair. And, and I think you're kind of Can someone answer that for us? Someone someone find the correct <laughs> answer. There there is a correct answer to that. Um, someone just needs to find it somewhere, I'm sure, on the dark web. So if you find it, share it, please. We can objectify and quantify this answer. We need it. We need, we need data, folks. Exactly, exactly. Um, but somebody else, I really wanted to highlight this real fast. Don't want to forget him, obviously. And I know the person you love is Ledesma, mm. Richard Ledesma, Richie. Um, he's back, you know, and he's been back, but he's now got his first goal for the club. And it's, it's crazy to think that it's his first goal for the top, uh, for the first team, you know, all with, uh, he's a player. He does, his, his development and growth just got so stunted. I uh, felt like with that ACL injury, literally in his Europa, was it the debut? I think it was his starting debut, at least. He I was starting so, yeah. to match and tears his ACL. Basically, the season was a wash for him in terms of development. This was just a recovery year. Um, and hopefully can just come in next season and, and, and you know, pick up. Because he's clearly a player that it seems as if they have in their plans, um, you know. And we see it with the with young PSV. He thrives there that he's beyond that level. So it's just a matter of, you know, getting up to that, that first team level consistently. 
But yeah, love to see that from him. Because remember, right before he tore his ACL, he had just come off a two-assist game with the U.S. men's national team versus Jamaica and Austria for that friendly. So mm-hmm. he was, you know, everything was looking up for him. And then yeah. they ACL. So, like I said, just wanted to give a huge shout-out to him and getting back into that form with PSV, into that into some playing time and scoring his first goal. Congratulations. Oh, it's, it's, it's great to see for Richie. Um, I mean, look, after all he's been through this past year, especially, like, on a human level, let alone a, a, a like a U.S. level or a PSV level, phenomenal for this kid to, to not only get playing time, but get on the score sheet and just I feel like that must be the biggest weight off his shoulders right now. Like, I, I can't even imagine for him. Yeah, he's got to be feeling good. What I will say, though, and, and, and here's maybe where I, I really want to talk about Richie. Um, we've got some news coming out of some Mexican outlets. I wouldn't say outlets. I think it's more like Twitter personalities, similar to, to what we follow a lot of time on US MNT Twitter. I'm saying that Richie Ledesma has chosen to represent Mexico. Now, I don't know the validity of these. Um, I've, I've seen, I know that that, a lot of the times Mexican media can be a little bit more on the flaky side when it comes to rumors like this. Um, and, and, you know, rumors coming like this from any outlet are just that rumors until you hear it out of Richie's mouth. I, I don't want to put too much stock in it. I mean, look, we're putting stock in the Cade Cowell rumors from him getting a Mexican passport. And, and there's, there's nothing to that either. I, with, with a lot of dual Nats, it's a process and, and, and there's a lot going on. I mean, I personally can't speak to, to being a dual Nat, um, I, I'm not a dual citizen of any kind, but I mean, I can only imagine the, the stress that a lot of these guys go under. But Sumer, I, take me through a little bit of like what your assessment of, the, of is of this scenario of other scenarios are dual Nats, because it feels like we're kind of approaching a bit of a precipice with a couple of these guys. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm not going to say that I understand at all what some of these players are going through in terms of choosing a nationality. But I definitely understand the aspect of having dual nationalities, having a father born and raised in India and a mother born and raised in America. Um, you know, two totally different lifestyles that I live when I go and visit the two sides. I don't think I could ever choose. I, I, don't, I don't know how I, how I would choose because I feel such a affiliation to both countries, to be honest. I just happen to have a U.S. passport because I was born here type of thing. Um, but specifically to Richie, <clears throat> I did, I did call my dad. He told me he's the one that put the rumor out there. Um, so there, there's nothing we, we need to be worried about. <laughs> um, just wanted to get – yeah, I, I, I don't know why he did that. I really don't know why he did that. But he'd be a player I'd, I'd hate to lose. Uh, he's a center attacking mid, forward, midfielder, number eight kind of thing I give, um, who has a lot of creativity, lots of flair to him, clean touch, you know, turning on the ball is phenomenal. It can hit a strike too. Um, in terms of the dual nationality. Yeah. I don't know how much I trust these reports, um, but it's definitely something to be worried about with him. You know, he, he has the likes of other countries chasing him for sure. He's just, you know, a prospect at a top club like PSV Mexico's of course going to be looking at that. And so it's, it's somebody that I hope we're, we're, we're doing our best to, to, to keep in. I know the U.S. men's national team tweeted at him this weekend when he did score his goal, which means he's clearly coming to the U.S. men's national team. But oh, obviously, yeah, that that's I, like, I think it's a lock, right? We just shut this whole down. It, I don't know why we're worried. Yeah, the U.S. men's national team tweeted about when the if the U.S. men's national team tweets about you, you're you're probably coming. I mean, it kind of means he might be on the roster. No, but it, in, in all seriousness, though, it does. It's fascinating that you that you say like you know how much are we, you bring up the question, how much are we doing? How much is the Fed doing to prioritize these players? And, and where does our, where does our federation sit on, on players that should be prioritized? And I'm not saying like, you know, the, the classic prioritized dual Nats because they play in Europe or because we want to like, you know, predatorily cap tie them. I, I don't think that's what it is, but I look at the past, maybe three, four years all the time that we gave to guys who are similar ages to um, to Richie Ledesma and to Alex Mendez, right? Guys like Will Trapp, Jackson Yule, different types of players, but it's like, what, 
should the priority have been these guys was enough made to to prioritize getting getting these higher level guys i mean look we don't know what richie ledesma if he say richie ledesma alex mendez and and jonathan gomez right all choose mexico over the u.s we don't know if they're going to be critical players obviously he's too young but it would be a real shame if they become phenomenal players for mexico and the u.s didn't do all they the u.s federation didn't do all they could to try to to recruit them yeah i i think i look at the the situation a little bit differently um i think i mean we'll never know the full at you know the full story on it on on how and how the you know quantify how how well we uh reach out to the dual nationals and you know who's reaching out to who how how much is is Bal getting getting calls from Greg? We'll, we'll never know those kind of things. We we can only assume the, those types Fair. of things. Fair. Um, and it, <clears throat> I didn't watch the full podcast, but you saw that uh, Mikey Varas, I think his name is from USSF, was on yep. Scuff, and I watched a little clip about him talking about the process of you know the recruitment and everything. Me personally, I think Alex Mendez and and so what I wanted to say was I don't think that these players, when you get to the professional level, like like at the standard that they're at. I don't think that they, um, unless you're a special case, are like itching for a call up unless they think that, like they deserve it. Like I, what I mean by that is like we were giving these guys U23 call ups, we were giving these guys U20 World Cup call ups. It wasn't like these guys were exiled like like Weston McKinney's, where they basically weren't even in the systems at youth national team camps and stuff. These guys have been with us for a long time. Richie's even. Both of them have been with the senior team um, and we don't even know the back end communication. So in terms of these guys, I feel like, you know, I would hope that the communication since these moments, because it's been a little while since they've been there. I would hope that the communication since then has been strong, but to say that we haven't given and shown faith in these guys, I mean, they literally played in a, in a youth world cup with us, you know? They're... Yeah. I, I mean, that's fair. I think to, to a certain degree. I, oh, I lost yeah, it there for a sec, but go for it. Oh, I, I was just saying, like, I personally feel as if, like, for these players specifically, Mendez and, and Ledesma, um, you know, there's only so much you can do. We, we give them call-ups to, to, to the senior national team, to youth national team tournaments and stuff, and we can only hope that the communication on the back end is strong. Sometimes we hear of stuff that's not, but what I, want, what I meant by what I said earlier was, like, if I was a player working to, you know, like Richie Ledesma, and I was working to get to that first team level, I'm not expecting Greg to call me and be like, yo, you need to like, I, I need you on this roster. Or I'm not, I'm not even expecting a call up. Maybe. There are players ahead of you. You have like, they know that they understand that they're not naive. They're in, they're a 20 year old player trying to break into the first team of a, of a Dutch league team. If he could do that and consistently do that, then sure. But just, just getting there is not enough. So that's something. That's some no, I, I, yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that one. That makes sense. Um, I and it and maybe it is. It's more of a more of a, a like a reactionary take from my end in terms of wanting to to see the the potential that I see in terms of these guys versus guys we have given more chances to. But no, I I I think that that is a fair assessment to say that we haven't. Yeah, we we have given them chances. I agree. Should should we have been potentially calling up certain players over the wheel traps and Jackson Newells and whatnot? A hundred percent. But it's hard to justify calling up some players like like Ledesma and Mendes at the time that we were calling up Jackson Ewell and 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 these other players because they were still prospects. They were still mm-hmm. they were still prospects trying to trying to you know make it in trying to you know just because you're a youth national team success doesn't mean you automatically deserve you know a nas- a first team national team call up. So I think it's hard to justify those at such a young age. But like I said. All I can hope is I'd be upset if I heard continuously, like I did kind of with the Eric Palmer Brown interview, if the communication on the back end is not there in keeping up with, which I doubt it isn't, uh, because look at the likes who we've gotten, like Serginho, Eunice, those are big time dual national players, big time, bigger than Ledesma, bigger than Mendez, bigger than Cowell, bigger than Balgan, bigger than Alex Mighton, bigger than all these guys. And, yeah. and, and he was able to swing them. You know, because with with the with the youth national team, I mean, Des's whole thing was they were there first, giving me giving me a chance. And with both Ledesma and Mendez, that's the case as well. Right. 
Yeah, and and I think that's maybe the one saving grace in this too is that. And I mean, I say saving grace too, and I and I think we probably should have prefaced this whole conversation by saying that at the end of the day, this is it. What's in in their hearts at the end of the day? It's it's not. I think I think a lot of the time, and maybe this is me being you know not having having the dual not experience, but a lot of the time we put stock in in like oh playing time for a certain national cut team or or you know where they were as a youth but at the end of the day it is what's in the players hearts in terms of what they choose to go and and it's by no means an easy decision and and i think we're going to be respect we're going to be supportive regardless of of this and i i hope the best for them in their careers regardless and so i think it is important to to say that though that yeah richie and Alex, especially, we're part of the U.S. national team system, and so it's maybe not time to hit the panic button yet. We have given them those chances, and and maybe it is similar to a, to a Jonathan Gomez situation where he stated he wants to play for both national teams, and that could be the same thing, right, where they want to try out both systems, get to know both systems, and see, okay, what is the best decision for me moving forward? There's a lot of moving parts to this, so. I mean, I hope that in a week or two from now, this conversation is nipped in the bud and they're both on the on the roster uh, for these these May and June games that we have. Right, because that's the other thing. I think that, that both of them, doing that talk aside, especially Alex, I think all three of them deserve to be there in June. Frankly, the three guys by, talking about. By all three, you mean I mean, Belgium? Jogo. No, I mean, well, I mean, by all three right now, I mean, <laughs> the three that have been kind of the center of the conversation that's been going oh, on okay. Twitter in Richie Ledesma, Alex Mendez and and Jonathan Gomez. I think all three of them deserve a shot. Not not based on anything else, yeah. but their play, frankly. They should be there for sure. I want them there this, this you know in a week or two when this roster comes out. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of a, a a thing that's been going on, especially today. It seems like that's popped off. But let's move on to to the final installment, shall we, of our positional player breakdowns or whatever we're calling them. I completely forget. But yeah, the position breakdowns, we've got the arguably the most contentious position right now for the U.S. in the number nine, the striker, the main man. Who are we going to take? It's been one of the questions looming over the U.S. for what seems to be years now is who's going to be that number nine. And we are here today, Sumer, to break down all of the options we've got. Uh, yeah, this is the one position where we have no idea who's starting. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love, love it. it. <laughs> it's love it. Love to see it. Um, you know, as we say that though, it is a really still interesting position uh, for us. You know, these players that we're going to talk about, there's a lot of upside for some of them. And and the real question is like, who it still is. It's like, who is going to take that step? We thought it would be Sergeant, you know, once upon a time, but he hasn't gotten there. And, you know, now we have the likes of Pepe, DK and Ferreira soon. They're all going to go to Europe. If, I mean, sorry, they're already in Europe, but um, Ferreira's going to go. Who is going to take that step? Who's going to thrive with their club team over there in, 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 a, in a top league and, and really warrant a call up and, and play on our team? Because Pepe made the jump, but Pepe isn't succeeding now. Yes, it's early, but it's, I'm just speaking facts. He's gotten there, and he hasn't been succeeding as of yet. Same with DK because of injury. You know, Sergeant, what is going on there? So I just would love to see someone get over there and really take the position by hold. Now, I doubt that that's going to happen. Maybe come by November. Like, that's still a hard ass. You're, you're telling people to – you basically got two and a half months to do it or you're telling Ferreira to go to a new team and do it. But that's ultimately what I want is just someone at the striker position, like we've seen at numerous other positions in the U.S. men's national team roster, go over there and take a position by the, by, by the, by the neck and really own it type of thing. But – um yeah, I mean, I'll go through what our our our, uh, our four main contenders, you'd say, um, and, and and we'll kind of talk about those four main contenders for me at least. Jesus Ferreira called up many times to the to the World Cup qualifying rosters all throughout the cycle. Ricardo Pepe, likewise, two Dallas boys there. Jordan Pifok and Josh Sargent. Those are the four who I think are most deserving and will probably be there. Some would consider others, but we'll hop into those guys in the second tier. But first tier, those four, how do you look at those guys, Noah Lair? I, I think I look at them. I would agree with you first that I think those are kind of the four guys who are, at least as of this point, probably 
first off the tongue in a conversation. Um, I look at them as, as guys, and we're going to, again, like we've, we've talked about a lot of times with different skill sets. And, and maybe there's, maybe, maybe that's what we're kind of looking at when we talk about the strikers, especially is, is who's going to bring, who's going to bring a certain type of play style that we're going to play with. I know that a lot of the time Jesus Ferreira has gotten call-ups and, and gotten a lot of the treatment that he's gotten from Greg in part because he's been playing well with, with Dallas. Um, I mean, that's undeniable. We've, we've said it even in his podcast so far, he's been playing incredibly well and been able to put the ball in the back of the net, but I know Greg likes Hazers for his ability to drop deep and link play and build out from the back, right? That's one of the things that, that Jesus does very well, as well as his pressing. If you want to go with full pressing though, then maybe Josh Sargent's your guy, right? Josh Sargent is, is incredibly good at closing down spaces at closing down the opposition, trying to break out from the back at it's going to sound weird, but at defending, right. He's had to work on that all, all year with Norwich, but you know, that's something that Josh Sargent brings maybe where, whereas Freer doesn't bring uh, certainly is as pepper as um, PFOC doesn't bring, but PFOC brings a striker kind of Fox in the box instinct. Right. So it's, it's different things that these guys bring that, that maybe put them higher or lower on our list. Um, what I will say, though, to, to your previous point, and, and I want to say this too, it really does feel like it is a position for somebody to grab and maybe not with club form because we haven't always seen club form translate. Jordan Pifok is probably the prime example of this, right? He's been tearing it up with young boys in Switzerland this year, but hasn't really looked apart at all when it's come to the national team. Even Jesus Ferreira, to a certain degree, in, in 2021 especially, hasn't really seemed like that guy with the U.S. where he has with Dallas. So this, this maybe seems like it's a part, yes, it's a position where somebody needs to grab it, but it's almost one where they need to grab it in these friendlies. They need to grab it with the U.S. Somebody needs to put on a dominant performance a la Pepe in November, last November, right? Nobody really had Ricardo Pepe too high on their list until he came with the U.S. and balled out, frankly. But I don't know. How do you, how do you see these guys, Sumer? I agree. I agree that they all bring kind of different qualities and different strengths. Um, and yes, you're right. It comes down to, to system based. I feel like, and, and, and putting these guys in the right positions. Uh, I personally believe that PFOC is somebody who uh, I would hundred percent want on the roster, even if he's the third guy, I think his, his trait, I think he, I think every team wants a guy like him to potentially bring in late in the game and just, uh, you know, I think there will be a game, whether he's on the roster or not, that I go, oh, I really would love to sub PFOC on right now. I just, I see that moment coming where I want a tall, dominant striker. We're tied or we're down or we're, we're causing chaos or we're up a man or something. And I want to put PFOC in. So I really would like to see him there. I think, you know, his ability to just bag goals. I guess we haven't seen it with the U.S. men's national team. If you can bag goals, you can bag goals. All right, you may you may struggle at times, but if you can if you can do it like he can, it would be a C. Then you can do it. It's just a matter of of finding that form. Um, so that's just what I wanted to say about him. Personally, yeah, I guess we can all agree at the moment. I'd say Jesus is at the top of that list, strictly due to his club form right now. You know, um, I look at them all a little differently. I think I personally like Jesus the most. Like I said at the moment i think pepe is my long haul bet though for um for taking it over sergeants i feel like still a stretch though for us i mean it might not be a stretch for the fan base but i feel like in terms of actually getting there i feel like it's still a stretch he's injured right now so he's probably not going to come to this camp so then you're leaving it up to september for him what are the odds he's able to one get into the roster on september you know bearing you know whatever his situation is and two if he gets in, does he win over the position in, in that in that in that September camp? That's basically what we're leaving it up to with Sargent. So right. the likelihood of him actually getting there is, is slim. Which is a shame because I think that Josh Sargent we and 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 this is we've been on the Josh Sargent hype train for years now. Uh, Josh Sargent was one of the hottest prospects coming out of a lot of the youth camps. And I would say hasn't always struggled as much as people have said at the club level. A lot of it has been down to the, the teams that he's been asked to play for and the service that he's gotten within those sides and the roles he's been asked to play as well. Look, I, I, I love Josh Sargent. I think that there is still such a high ceiling for him in there. And, and honestly, I hope he stays with Norwich in the championship next season. 
that's kind of the one saving grace that I think could help him out, help him out. If he is a, a consistent starter for Norwich next season in the championship, which there's no evidence to suggest that he won't be. He was a consistent starter in the Prem all year. Maybe he didn't have the numbers we would have liked, but was also playing out of position. And but was starting week in, week out. So I, I'd say that he'd be up there for Norwich. And I, I think that he's going to tear it up in the championship next season. And that is going to do wonders for his chances to be called in in September. And then if he calls in September and impresses, I don't think any doors are closed for any of these top four guys when it comes to the striker position for the U.S. If we were talking about a more closed off position, like midfield or something like that, I would say yes. Probably Josh Sarden's a long haul, but but for me, the number nine position is still so wide open to me. Yeah, like I said, in my point of view, yes, I was mainly saying in Greg's point of view, I just don't see him. I don't see him having enough time to do enough uh, to get to get yeah. to get on 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 Greg's roster. Um, especially with, I personally believe that you know, or at least we all hope that he goes to the championship and succeeds. Um, but are we undervaluing the the? Uh, the adaptation that it might take to, to play in the championship. You know, they do play a much different style than the Prem. Uh, but the one nice thing is that hopefully Norwich will be on the front foot in these games instead right. of playing every single Premier League team and, and being on the back foot trying to just hold a nil-nil draw sometimes. So that's the that's the point that I, that I think will save him and, right. and get him on the score sheet and stuff like that. Um, I mean, you forget, Josh Sargent was the second highest, had the second highest goal contributions in all competitions outside of Team Ipuki for Norwich this season. I mean, uh, it wasn't uh, a lot, but it was second highest on the team. Second highest at two, two, two goals assists. Wow. That's crazy. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. It in, wasn't in all, that in all, Well, yeah, in all comps. <laughs> it was like, I think he had 10 or 12 contributions. Uh, no, I love Josh Sargent. I've, I've loved him since he played in a U-17 and U-20 World Cup in, in, one, in one calendar year. Uh, I, I've been a huge advocate of his and, and loved the move to Norwich and still think that he's a fire player. He's even actually played well at times with the u.s you know he with especially back in like the 2019 2020 uh games i thought that's when he excelled the most with the u.s actually it's been as of late that it hasn't been maybe the exact same but that's also because he hasn't played in a year with us so yeah those are those four you want to hop to the next four i i can there's kind of the four guys who are on the outskirts and Maybe less so on the outskirts with a couple of these guys, given that we've got a camp coming up in a couple of weeks. But um, kind of next group of four is, is Daryl DK of West Brom. I believe he's still West Brom. Yeah, Daryl DK of West Brom. Haji Wright of Atlanta Sport in Turkey. Um, Jossi Zardis of the MLS. I don't even get now. He's at uh, Colorado now, right? And Malik Tillman, who I believe is on the books at Bayern as well. I don't know if he's going to be loaned out for the beginning of next season, but he's on the books at Bayern. I think that there's some room. I mean, obviously, with the striker position being as open as it is, all the a lot of these guys have gotten experience with the U.S. Malik Tillman aside, has never represented the U.S. at any level. Um, Daryl DK has represented the U.S. at a at a senior level and has done decently well in the games that he's been a part of Daryl DK to me is somebody who is probably the most interesting case here is a Jordan Peacock mixed with a Josie Altador kind of thing if that makes any sense mm-hmm. I, I think Daryl DK is somebody who if he starts off the season well for West Brom and and his injury right now is really the only thing that's that's holding him back from being a huge part in the conversation because you know you're talking about a guy who's going to fall into the job the same situation we were just talking about with Josh Sargent but maybe doesn't have the pedigree with the U.S. that Josh does to be on that. But DK, look, if he starts the season pretty well with West Brom, I could see him being here as kind of that third option over a Jordan Peacock. Daryl DK is somebody who I would love to just throw on with 10 minutes left to cause havoc and get us a goal. I think he would do that well. He's a physical specimen. He's fast. He's strong. He's got a heck of a finish on him. Only thing really lacking with Daryl DK is his spatial and run awareness and his technical ability. So, but if you're just sending him on there to be, you know, the third forward, fourth forward with 10 minutes left, who cares about technical ability? Daryl, I want you to go in there and be a wrecking ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I again, I also love Daryl DK, big UVA guy, go who's, um, 
I think he – I saw his first ever game with the U.S. Men's National Team at Exploria Stadium, January 2021. Also, Matt Turner's debut, by the way. Um, but, yeah, I was so sad to see him go down with an injury so early on into his official move to, to West Brom because uh, he was back with the coach that he had at uh, Barnsley, and everything just looked like it was aligning right, and then it didn't align right. Um, he's somebody, again, who I think could make that jump into – I mean, people might say we were reaching with Josh Sargent in terms of uh, – Daryl DK is someone who, if he hits form, I could see him jumping ahead of him as well. Um, Daryl DK has a lot of strengths in his ability, like you said, to cause chaos, to hold players up. Um, I call him. I want. I, I want to call him a Walmart Lukaku, but I don't think I can yet. Um, and also, <laughs> Lukaku might not be a good a Walmart Inter Milan Lukaku. That, that's what you can't. You have to preface it with Inter Milan because ain't nobody want to be Chelsea Lukaku. Ain't, no, <laughs> ain't nobody want to be Chelsea Lukaku. Um, but enough. my most interesting person in this boy has got to be Haji Wright. Um, yes, he hasn't played with the U.S. men's national team, senior team, I don't think ever. Um, Maybe during the Sarakin era, he might have gotten one call-up, but it seems like everybody got a call-up during the Sarakin era. Yeah, my, my, my younger brother also was there um, for a camp. <laughs> he was seven, but he, he was there. Um, Haji Wright is such an interesting player for the timeline, for for – for hitting his form at this time and then now doing it so he might be able to get a call up for this camp. He comes into this camp, everything could change. He could put on wonders in front of Greg and then play in these four games and score three goals. And we are like, boom, bye-bye, Sergeant. Bye-bye, P-Fog. Haji, you're up here. Now it's between Jesus, Ricardo, and Haji. And that's personally how I like want to see it and how I hope it, I hope it happens. Because you, you watch Haji play. You, you see the goals and assists he has. They're not tap-ins. They're not, they're not simple five-yard passes, like we talked about. The assist last game was was filthy, uh, no matter what league you play in. It was dirty. And he's just somebody who I see just rising up the depth chart. Just just if he gets into this camp and plays well, the stock is just going to go through the roof on him. Um, and so I don't see why not to see him have a chance at Qatar. Right. I love the way he plays. I love the way he scores. He's He's got a knack for, for the goal as, as of late. Um, I like the runs he makes. I think he's got some technical ability on him. You know, I feel like he's he's really got some some package to him. Right. No, and, and I think Haji Wright's an interesting case because, I mean, the player I kind of want to compare him to at the moment, not because of skill sets or anything, but it's Jordan Pifak, right? Because we're talking about players in, in lower-level leagues. Uh, the Turkish League is better than the Swiss League, but the Turkish League is also very hard to quantify right now. It's not nearly as good as it was in the early 2000s, 2010s. Um, but look, you're talking about two guys in, in lower leagues that have kind of just burst onto the radar all of a sudden because of a flurry of goals. The difference, and, and the only reason why I'm kind of putting a little bit more stock in the Haji hype train than I ever was in the Jordan Pivak hype train, is because of, like you said, the way that it's happening. Haji is creating a lot of these goals, either for himself or for others. It's not, like you said, it's not those tap-ins. And, and so there is... An, an ability that you can see with Haji, right? That is undeniable, regardless of what league he's in, right? He brings a skill set. He brings that technical ability. He brings pace, power. Whereas Jordan Pivak teams only brought that that hunter killer instinct, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Uh, but I, I like what I see from Haji, only because of of the skills that go into a lot of these goals, right? Whether it's creating space for himself with a couple of neat touches in tight areas or blowing by a defender after sizing him up, right? It, it, there's, there's different things that go into this that I think make me a little bit more ready to get onto the Haji hype. Yeah, he's a, he's a tall boy, but with some speed and acceleration for sure. He can, he can definitely move. He's not awkward running at all. Um, he, he, he's, he's not afraid for contact either. He can score goals with his head if he needs to. Like I said, he's got somewhat of the full package a little bit in each aspect i wouldn't say full package in terms of being excellent at all these things but he's got a little bit in each one of those buckets for sure and he was an electric goal scorer for the youth levels of the u.s men's national team electric goal scorer and i will say i might have said this already on the podcast the reason i think he gets called up is because nuri sahin is his coach okay Mm -hmm. as everyone knows and if everyone doesn't remember christian pulisic did that interview with that little girl uh, before the um, last U.S. Men's National Team camp. And she asked him, it's on YouTube. Her, 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 her 
or her name is something random, but she asked him, who was your favorite teammate and why? And, uh, and what did they teach you the most about? And CP's answer was Nuri Sahin. So I heard that CP got on the phone, told Greg, like, bro, he's getting coached by Nuri Sahin. Nuri the knows the Nuri knows what he's doing, okay? Uh, he taught me everything I knows. He, no, he's definitely teaching Haji. Um, but no, it is cool to hear uh, CP say, this guy taught me the most ever, or not the most, but like taught me, taught me, you know, everything, a lot of the, what I know. And now see him doing that just on a coaching level and not just doing it to one player, being able to, to facilitate his knowledge to many players. And I'm sure Haji is taking advantage of that, having a, a player of, of, uh, of such, you know, brains and, 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 and smartness. So Nuri Shaheen, Liverpool legend. Yeah, Nuri <laughs> I think he's more of a Dortmund legend, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, and then Jossie. I just wanted to mention Jossie. Obviously, the whole point of him leaving Columbus was he needed to find somewhere where he was going to be the number one and bag goals. And he wasn't going to do that in Columbus because they now have Miguel Berry. Um, you know, he's found a spot in Colorado. And I will say as of late, the job was for him to find a spot where he could score goals. Well, he's kind of found a spot and he scored a few goals. So keep doing this, kid, and you might see yourself on a roster, whether I like it or not. Yeah, I mean, Jossie's here, I think, because, you know, obviously Greg likes him. I, I think with all this, it's fair to go into why I'm not a huge fan of Jossie's artist. I just think there's there's real limitations, similar to a Jordan Peefock, of whether or not he can kind of create for himself a little bit, especially when we're talking about a system where, we struggle as a as a as a team to create chances as it is, right? So if you don't have a striker who can maybe do a little bit of chance creation for themselves, a la Jesus Ferreira or Ricardo Pepe to a degree, maybe you're gonna struggle a little bit. I think Jossie does struggle. I think he struggles with time and space. He struggles to link play. He knows what the back of the net is. At least he did. That was always a strength of his. Is that you know he had the ability to kind of find the back of the net, and Look, I hope for him that he can come back and do that. And, and you know, if he does have a spot with the national team, I hope that he can be that guy off the bench. But I, I struggle to see what he's going to bring at the moment. Um, yeah, I think he's a top player. I think he's a top player in the MLS. I think he's excellent at what he does. But do I see him – do I rate him higher uh, than any of the guys that we've listed before? No. Um, just because I think they bring more skill sets. I think that they actually fit in our system more. And – I mean, it's an irrelevant point, but yeah, I, I won't say it. But I just think that the players above him, the, I, I don't, there's not many arguments that you could say Jossie surpassing them on. You know, a lot of those guys have a lot of strength and a lot of upside as well. Right. Um, somebody who has a lot of upside, speaking of, Malik Tillman. Now, I don't know too, too much about Malik Tillman. I know he's just been, he's in the Byron system. He's gotten some looks in their first team. There are pretty much, I, I don't want to say confirmed because I haven't seen it. it it's, I would say 85% that he is going to be there in this June camp. I mean, he's left off the most recent Germany U23 or U20 roster that just dropped today. No Malik Tillman. Um, Greg has, has talked about bringing in one or two dual Nats to this June camp. Uh, the stars are aligning. Malik Tillman will likely be here, which I'm very excited about. And somebody who I'd like to see what he can do and what he can bring, maybe to just kind of raise my awareness of him as well. I don't know a lot about him. Sumer, I don't know if you know, know much about Malik. I mean, he last played for us at the U15 level. I know he's a number nine who's been, like you said, with the, uh, the Bay- on the Byron squad as of late and numerous youth Germany call-ups from the U15s to the 16s to the 17s to the 21s, even last year. Um so I think he's somebody worth giving maybe a look at because, you know, of how high he's rated. I hope that if we're giving him a look and a potential call-up that we're doing the same thing for Balogun on Arsenal. I don't see why he, as also a number nine, uh, does not deserve potentially a call-up here. You know, was with Middlesbrough the second half of this year. Um, even played a few games, I believe, for Arsenal. Um, but again, he's somebody also, a dual national, who, like you said, we don't know. We've heard that there's going to be a few dual nationals. I would love to see Balogun as one of those. I think he's a really creative striker. He also does play the number nine. Uh, a little bit more reminds me a little bit of like maybe a more technical uh, Jesus. He definitely loves to, to, to check back um, and connect with play because he's so technical. Like he wants the ball and wants to like ice you up right in the middle of the field and then go. So mm-hmm. somebody I want there. Yeah, no, I could, I could definitely see 
Florian, Florian Balagoon. <laughs> I'm just going to go by last name because I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Yeah, we stick with last names here. Yeah, we stick with last names. Uh, but, like, no, I would love to see him him potentially be in this roster too. I think in terms of guys who you're just looking at, maybe I think maybe still breaking in for kind of a 2026, but he's one of those guys that you know, just it could be able to offer something different going forward. Um, I think, like you said, the skill sets, the playing at a high level, especially with the number nine position, we've talked about it twice now already. I've said it a lot of times. It, like, it's one where it feels like it's anybody's, even somebody we haven't heard of yet, potentially, to take. And, and so, you know, that even could be somebody like a Sebastian Soto, even. I know that's, a, that's kind of a left field call, but we've seen him do it with the U.S. before. Uh, I, he's not getting too, too much playing time at the moment, or he wasn't with Scotland. In this country. He played this weekend. He came off the bench this weekend. Did, did see that. I think it's been a lot of cameo minutes. Yeah, like, it has. And it hasn't has. really... I don't even know if he's gotten on the score sheet at all, but look, he's just somebody that, that we've had in the youth systems that we've seen play, even with the senior team, and do it really well. He scored two goals, I believe, in that, that same friendly where Richie Ledesma got two assists. I think it was two Ledesma to Soto assist the goals. Um but look, I, look, yeah, just somebody who to keep on your radar. If they have a big season, we could maybe see it because the number nine position is so open right now. I personally believe Soto is one of the best looking players we have eligible on our roster. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a special specimen in terms of looks and deserves a call up just to get a better look at him. I you think know, so. I really really want to see him from head to toe. Um, just get, get get a better look. Oh no, absolutely! I think he and he and Weston McKinney, man. And Tim Weah, to a degree. Yeah. Tim Weah is just like, he's got the drip. I mean, but yeah, I mean, there are also like, there are guys too, we haven't really talked about too. And then just brief mentions, guys we've talked about in other podcasts who can also play the nine, who might be worth a shot too. Tim Weah being one of those guys, Matthew Hoppy being one of those guys. We haven't seen them at the nine, but it'd be an interesting conversation regardless. But Sumer, anybody else you want to kind of throw in a quick shout before we wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, Hoppy's there. You know, he played well in the Gold Cup. Just his club season's just been basically a wash. Um, so hard to see him to hard to see him even getting this May call up. If you're not getting this May call up, you're leaving it really close up to chance for September, and basically, like, not like you're probably not unless you have a ridiculous fall campaign. It's gonna be hard for you to break in, even if you're having a decent one. Because how is he, how is how is he gonna bring you to the World Cup if he if he can't bring you to September? You're not coming. If he can bring you to September, then right. you really got to show out. So it, it, it leaves enough for chance for someone like him. Um, anyone else? I'm trying to think. Any any other strikers? Um, Brandon Vasquez? No, it's way too early for that. I know people are, are really happy about him. He's playing really well with Cincinnati right now. But, look, no. Sorry. <laughs> is, is, no. Is, is, Juan, is Juan Dolowski still playing? Aaron Johansson is officially Aaron a free Johansson. agent, by the way. Oh, Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood's still going strong. Oh, Bobby Wood for Real Salt Lake. They're, they're doing well right now. Don't now we're getting into spooky player territory soon there. Oh, my days. Speaking I'm of which, saying. before we wrap it up, you got any spooky players for me this weekend? Yeah, bro. I love this guy. All right. This guy This guy is back, and he's back better than ever. Okay. Emmanuel Sabi. I've said it again. Oh, this week he scored, man. Okay. This week he scored. This weekend. He's he's back. All right. He's a dynamic winger for Odinance. All right, in their 1-1 tie versus actually Sondereisk. I don't know how to pronounce that, but that's the team where um, Jose Gallegos is, the uh, mm-hmm. the San Antonio player. Yep. Um, it was in the relegation group. They're battling for relegation. But Emmanuel Savvy, he's someone who I will go to my grave hoping to see in a U.S. Men's National Team jersey in a World Cup. Fair enough. Um, I'll give you one that's less of a spooky player and just more of a, a player who kind of deserves a little bit of a shout-out, fringe player, Dwayne Holmes, Huddersfield Town, uh, has a chance to get promoted back to the Prem next season. It's pretty much one foot in the uh, – one foot, if not both feet, in the playoff final. Yeah, they, they confirmed it today. They, they did, uh, okay, yeah. They beat Luton Town one nothing. He came off in the 86th minute, yeah. Yeah, plays a, an integral role for Huddersfield Town and, and – there's a good chance we might be seeing a Dwayne Holmes versus Ethan Horvath if he plays playoff final. To uh, he's, not, he's not playing. It's going to be hey, quite hey, hey, No, it's well. It's first of all, they got They got to get past uh, uh, a Sheffield tomorrow. I think. I think it's Sheffield. Yeah, they got to play or yep. Sheffield today when this comes out Tuesday. Uh, but yeah, Huddersfield to the playoff final. Dwayne Holmes. I hope he scores like a 90th minute. 
banger. So I hope the U.S. Friends. You think if they, you think if they you think if they get promoted and and he does something that the U.S. men's national team is gonna post something about it? Maybe. I don't think so. Probably not. That's, that's if he that's scores. If he scores, yes, for sure. Because how can you not? But I I also doubt that. I don't I don't think they will. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. I hope so. Look. Good luck to Dwayne. Good luck to all the U.S. men's national team guys over the weekend. Um, unless let's see, unless there's somebody the Liverpool's playing. Mm, no, there's no U.S. national team players on Southampton or Wolves. <laughs> so we're good. Um, <laughs> no, seriously though, Samara, thanks for joining me today, man. We will uh, definitely see you guys next week for some more U.S. men's national team talk. Going to be coming up with some more podcast ideas. We're going to have to put our heads together for that one too. Uh, see what we're going to be talking about now. These positional breakdowns are are done, but. This does not mean we're done talking about the U.S. roster, who's going to be there. That's all we've got from now until September. But as always, thanks for joining us here over the bar. Follow us on Twitter. Like, rate the podcast. Sumer, thanks for joining me, man. Peace.